0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: You know, their are churches that a hold up the Bible, and they say this whole phrase, I believe this is the Word of God, I believe it is what I says. says I am what it says I am, blah, 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 blah. And that dude puts it down and don't preach out of it the whole time. Those are prime pickings for cults. They're like, because you believe in it, I'll tell you what it means. I'll go ahead and break that down for you. That's what they're trained to do. And so one way that we protect ourselves from that kind of error is just being in the word on a regular, letting the
0: Lord minister to you. Take the time to read and study the word of God on your own. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you the importance of studying the Bible. You need to know and understand the scriptures for yourself. Pastor Bill explains that if you only go off of what people say, you could be receiving false teaching. False teaching is becoming more and more widespread. The way to know what is true from what is twisted is by being in the Bible. Ask the Lord to help you in your understanding. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Galatians 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 14, uh, message titled, Having Begun in the Spirit and Uh, We're continuing through the book of Galatians. Most of what we've seen so far, and it'll continue through chapter three. It'll kind of switch gears in chapter four. But Paul is laying out his correction. The the churches in the region of Galatia had started out uh, having received the gospel from Paul. So Paul went there. He preached the the true gospel. They got saved. They entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ on the basis of the, the, the gospel. And then after Paul left, people came in with false doctrine so I one thing I do want to deal with today is false doctrine false teachers and how to make sure you don't end up susceptible to those things because there's nothing new under the sun I mean just like we would say God is so faithful to do what God does Satan is a he's a faithful devil y'all know that I mean, he does his job. So if God is doing a real work, Satan is like, man, I got to do a fake work. If God is preaching a true gospel, Satan has got to, you know, he's got to make up some some fraudulent gospel. And, and, and he's got some people to get out there and preach it too. So we want to make sure that we're not uh, victims of those things. None of us have to be. God has given you and me everything that we need to to never fall prey to and victim to the lives of the enemy. And so look at Galatians chapter three. Verse one, Paul opens up with, "O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed, among you as crucified. So first off, he says, oh, foolish Galatians. Paul's not being mean here. Um, You know, there's a couple of Greek words used for foolish. Jesus used in his parables. Uh, about, you know, the, those that would hear the sayings of Jesus and do them like a wise man build his house on a rock. Those who would hear the sayings of Jesus and not do them. Jesus said was like a foolish man build his house on the sand. The word Jesus used was a Greek word "moros," which we get our English word moron. It literally means stupid. And Jesus would say there, if you know my word, but don't do it, it's foolish. It's stupid. It's moronic. It's it's stupid that you would know the truth, but not do it. There's a different word that Paul uses here when he says, oh, foolish Galatians, it's not the Greek word moros, it's another word, and I don't speak Greek, but this is what it means. It has the idea of someone that can think, but they won't. So someone that you have the ability to think, but you, you just won't even, you won't even, if, if Paul is saying, if you guys would just use your brains. If you would just think through what you've heard, what you know, and what you're hearing from these guys, you wouldn't even be here. The word foolish here is that you have a mind to think and to perceive, but you're not putting it into practice. Um, you've laid down uh, your own faculties of, of thinking, and that's why you're in the condition that you're in. So, oh, foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? Though who there is important, too, because on the surface, um, Paul has earlier talked about false teachers coming in. But when you look at the word who, it's, it's in the singular. He doesn't say what group of false teachers, which teachers, or which group. is who. And the idea here is this. doesn't matter who the false teachers were. Where did that false teaching originate? Who did it originate? Who did it come from originally? Satan. Like that's, that's what he's getting at. When he says who has bewitched you in the singular, there have been multiple false teachers. But Paul is saying, you know, who bewitched you is Satan. He may have done it through the multiple false teachers that have gone out, but it's Satan is the author of these false doctrines. Satan is the author of these uh, these erroneous teachings that go forth. And so real quick, in our culture, where we are right now, we may not be struggling with false teachings on the same level as what the Galatians were dealing with. They were dealing with a lot of Jewish culture, religion wanted to add extra rules and legalisms to how to become a Christian I feel like in our area and the churches that I'm aware of and the things that I see, here are the common cults and false teachings that I see where we are. Uh, one very prevalent cult that I see all the time at Starbucks, where they look just like us, they talk just like us, but they're not just like us. Uh, there's a, it used to be called the Church of Christ not the denomination that don't like string instruments that's weird too but i'm not talking about them it's actually a cult the the worldwide church of christ they're a cult a shepherding cult and they meet with you and then you get a discipler and they get all in your business and they become your personal jesus and they run your life that's not god's will that's not what god wants they attack college campuses they're looking for kids that are freshly away from home and they go after them um one of the key marks of a cult is they feel like they're the only ones that have it right. Where you got to do it through us. If you go to them and you've been, oh, I've been saved since I was twelve. I got baptized at my church back home. No, you need to get baptized through our church. Ooh. If you come here and I ask you about your testimony, you say, No, I, I got, I gave my life to the Lord back in 1996. Really? Where? I was over at this church over. Wow. Okay. You've been water baptized? I got water baptized after I got saved. Praise the Lord. I'm not inviting you out to another water baptism. I'm saying, Praise the Lord. You got it. Um, baptism baptizing for people that haven't done it or maybe some people got baptized and they weren't saved, but they're saying you got to do it through us. Um, it's a cult, a false teaching. Um, there's other cults or, or false teachings that really lend themselves to people that are intellectual. It's like Satan's got something for everybody. You intellectual? I got something for you. It's going to sound deep. Um, we gonna get deep. I got the teachers are gonna have you know you know pH and all kind of other names in front of their you know symbols in front of their names so you know they really know what they're not talking about you know uh, you know if that's what you need that's what we'll do uh, in our culture um, in, in many areas where where people lack resources or want more need more um, there's the word of faith doctrine it's the prosperity cults and I won't call them a cult because. You know they may actually preach the gospel in addition to the errors that they teach but there's a whole doctrine there about where the whole goal of coming to God is to get from God. We come to God to get what from God? Salvation, right? That's it. Uh, I don't have another gospel for y'all. You know, so you might get the gospel and be broke but at least you're going to heaven. So, you know, you might get the gospel and have a couple dollars, praise the Lord. You know, but the gospel is the goal. The goal is the cross is what Jesus did on it for us but there's some greedy folks out here. If, if I go to church and you telling me you mean I can get more, preach that message. I want to hear some of that. Um, there, are, there are groups where their whole setup is, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. That's the whole goal of their message. I want to tell people what they want to hear. Well, if I only want to tell y'all what y'all want to hear, y'all know some things in the Bible I can't tell you, right? If I only want to tell you what you want to hear, I can't tell you to stop sinning, even though God would say stop sinning. Uh, I can't tell you to do certain things if you don't want to do. That it makes you uncomfortable. I press you like that. Here's what will protect all of us from all of that. And it's why we, why we press you guys. Why every month we put out that little bookmark and it says, Hey, read this every day of the month. Why do we do that? right? Do we win a sticker? Think about it as a pastor. What do I get? If all of you guys take that bookmark and read it, you know what I get? I get a group of people that have their own relationship with Jesus. I get a group of people that aren't totally dependent upon me every week talking to them about God. They hear from God on their own. You can confirm or deny what I'm saying because you got your own thing. That's what I get out of it. Right. I don't get anything else out of it except some people out here that know him better. That's the goal. And that's why we every year we do it again. You know, we put out the bookmarks. Hey, do the Bible reading this year. You know, if you're doing it right now, you just you just jumped into Ezra, you know, and we're looking at the rebuilding and, and, and I mean, just. Every chapter and every verse and every piece, there's something in there that God will speak to your heart about. But that's one of the things that will protect us is having our own relationship with the Lord, that we read the Bible on our own. Now, I'm not saying everybody that does this, you know, this is why. But I hate to see those dashboard Bibles. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you see a car and it's the Bible is sitting, sitting in the back of the window or in the dashboard. Because for some people, that's where the Bible resides. So I won't forget it when I go to church. Now, maybe you got another one in-house that you read every day. Praise the Lord. But for some people, the reality is they open up their Bible when they get here Sunday, if they make it. And that's it. And I, I would challenge you that that's not, that's not enough. Y'all know that's not enough? Amen. That's just not enough, right? Amen. It's just not enough. You cannot just open up your Bible when you get here on Sunday um, and then feel like, man, I, I'm solid with the Lord. Now, you you're, you're, you are you're prime pickings for the enemy. The witness, when they make it to your door... They're assessing you real quick. You know what their prime candidate is? Their prime candidate is someone that believes in the Bible, but don't know it. That is you are prime picking. So Christians that I believe the Bible is the word of God, you know, their churches that I hold up the Bible and they say this whole phrase, I believe this is the word of God. I believe it is what I said. Says. Says I am what it says. I am blah, 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 blah. And that dude puts it down and don't preach out of it the whole time. Those are prime pickings for cults. They're like, because you believe in it. I'll tell you what it means. I'll go ahead and break that down for you. That's what they're trained to do. And so one way that we protect ourselves from that kind of error is just being in the word on a regular, letting the Lord minister to you. And so, again, Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, you have the potential, you have the mind, you have the capacity, but you guys aren't using it. Who who has bewitched you? Um, That word bewitched has the the idea of, of, you know, Casting a spell or misleading someone. The, the, the word literally means to it means to mislead or to, to, to put a fog. You know, who who's misled you? Who has deceived you? And we already said it's, it's Satan is ultimately the author of every false doctrine who has bewitched you. And what is the what what's the result of them being fooled or bewitched that you should not obey the truth? That's what ends up happening, that through the deception, you're no longer obeying the truth of God, that you should no longer obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. So when it says that before your eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified, it doesn't necessarily mean that they saw Jesus hanging on the cross. It means that the message of the gospel was preached so clearly to you that you could see it. It was laid out to you so clear. You was clearly portrayed Jesus as crucified. And so for you and I that weren't a, we weren't alive during the era of Jesus... It's through the preaching of the gospel that Christ is portrayed before us as crucified. Amen. I've never seen Jesus and I've never seen the cross, but I've heard it preached. And I in my mind's eye, I can see, you know, I I believe it like I've seen it based on what I've heard from the word of God. Paul says, you guys had the message so clear. There was a point where you guys had this thing solid, but something happened. And maybe, you know, people like that. Maybe, you know, people that seemed like God was doing something so solid in their life and then they just went left. They just went. They got took off somewhere. Um, and I've had the unfortunate, you know, experience of seeing people that looked like they were doing so well get, poof, get, get, you know, snuffed over into some other group, some other thing, um, where they get ripped off. Verse two, it says, "This only I want to learn." And I want you to notice that Paul's. Uh, I want you to notice how many questions he's asking. Paul's teaching through asking questions. Um, and some of you parents do that. You know, this. You don't. You don't know you do it, but you do it. You know. Um, how do you think would these bills get paid? You know, you're asking questions that you want them to think like, you pay them, mom. You know, who do you think that's you do, dad? You know, what do you think all that food in the kitchen? Goes? You buy it, dad. That's, you know, that's that's what Paul is essentially doing here. So I just want you to, that's his teaching style right here. So no, it's not foreign to you parents. Verse two, he said, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or? By the hearing of faith. So he takes them back to when they received the Lord. Say, hey, how did you get the When you got saved, you guys, how did you receive the spirit? They received the spirit by the hearing of faith. That's the answers right there that when you guys heard the message, you guys received it. You guys remember earlier in the gospel of John. When after Jesus died on the cross, resurrected, he came back to the disciples and he breathed on them. And what did he tell them? He said, Receive ye, or that's King James, receive, you guys receive the Holy Spirit, you know? And, And they received it. That's when they got actually born again. After he died, resurrected, came back, he breathed on them. They received it. What did they do to earn that? Nothing. What did they do to get? Nothing. They didn't do anything. Um, Then, you know, the further work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon you to empower you. Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem to the power, this power comes upon you. They were all in the upper room chilling. They were there meeting. They probably had been praying, but they were there gathered together. And then the Lord just, Holy Spirit fell upon them. What did they do to earn that? You know, because this is what can happen. For some people, the deception is what you got to do to get saved. Um, You you know, you got to really do these things for God to approve of you. And then for some of us that are already saved, the trick is, well, now if you really want to go deep with the Lord, you really want the Holy Spirit to work in your life. This is what you got to do. You got to do this and do this and do this. And so you have a group over here saying, you know, you guys got to fast and pray. You got to fast and pray. You know, what's your favorite thing? You got to stop that. You know, you like watch up, no TV, break the TV. Matter of fact, sell it. <laughs> then give the money to the poor and then go pray, you know, and we'll get real deep. And I'm not saying that, you know, that God may call you away from some things where I'm not making light of that. But the mindset that says I got to do something in order for God to 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 work in me greater, for God to approve of me in a greater way. That's opposite of what you read in Scripture. They were just gathered there on the day and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Other times, Paul went into areas and preached. They were just there. Paul came. He preached. They heard. They believed Holy Spirit fell. What did they do to earn that? What work did they do? What effort did they put? Nothing. They just received it by faith. God was doing it. God was making it available. Here's the thing. If God just pours out his spirit upon you and you can be honest and say, I, I don't I didn't do anything to deserve it. I, I believed what I heard and the Lord just met me, he poured out upon me. Um then do you get to one up your sister or brother? You actually can invite them, you guys. It's not me, it's him. It's the Lord. Some people say that, they don't mean it though. It's not me, it's the Lord. But then they tell you about all that they're doing, you know. But when it's really, you know, if, for you to really know that that's the truth, when God, when you recognize, I didn't do anything to receive God, this is God's mercy, his grace. God just poured out his love, he poured out his spirit. God's given spiritual gifts. What did you do to deserve a spiritual gift? Nothing. You, when you recognize it, you believe that you may exercise it and use it, but what did you do to earn a gift? You don't earn a gift. God just selected you and said, I'm giving you that. Boom. use use it for my glory and for the benefit of your brothers and sisters. Now, does my gift make me better than anybody? It cannot make me better than anybody. I'm 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 just like everybody else trying to be faithful with my gift. But it's just a gift. The gift was given. The giver is the big deal. Amen. And it, it what it will do is if I if I take the philosophy over here that says somehow I deserve it. You know, I fasted and I prayed. That's when the Lord met me. I was on my face. But for, the, for a whole week, I didn't eat nothing. Why are you still fat, though? You know, but I laid out. And I just laid out fat on the floor and the, and the Lord just met me there. And it was when I got up from there, boy, my preaching had power. You know, and uh, it, that's, that's the type of stuff that people do. But there's no merit to that. Who in the Bible did that happen to? Nobody. When God met Paul and poured out upon Paul, what was Paul doing? On his way to kill Christians. He wasn't even doing a good thing. When God poured out his Holy Spirit upon Paul, what was he doing? He was blinded and desperate and Ananias was scared and prayed over him and the Lord met him supernaturally and the scales fell down and it was nothing that he did. This is when it becomes great news if we believe it right. That means that there's nothing you need to do except believe it and receive it. That's way better news than if I got up here and said, you guys, if you want to really have the Holy Ghost upon you in a powerful way, have you prayed like this? you not, not prayed on my knees. No, you got to lay all the way prostrate. You know, as your face inside, no no to the floor. You know, like to give you some extra things for you to do. Because then, if you do that, right, you're gonna feel like I got this because I I really went in. That's why you don't have it. I'm a little better than you. I go a little deeper than you. I go, I go a little harder in the things of the Lord than you do. And what does that create? Spiritual pride. Satan loves that. Because what does Satan get booted for? Pride. The work of the Spirit will keep you humble. The work of the spirit, God will exceed in your life what you could ever do and what it should do. You should you just sit back in awe of what God's doing through you and it'll humble you. No, it's not me. God is merciful that he would do anything through my life and it'll humble you and it'll keep you useful to the Lord. And so in verse um, two, he says, you know, he asked him the question, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing? faith, And obviously it was by the hearing of faith. They heard and believed, which is that's the order of everything. How does someone receive the gospel? They hear it and they believe it by faith and they're saved. How does someone receive the work of the Holy Spirit? They hear it and believe it by faith. They receive it just the same way. And so in in both instances, God gets to be this gracious giver and we get to be these, these receivers of his great gifts. The gift of His Spirit, the gift of salvation, all these different things—that's the order God wants it. In. God says, "Not—it's not, it's not going to be a work that you do to receive it." Now, here's the deal: because where the works come in, works are a result of God. Because you saved me, I, I want to serve you. Because you poured out gifts upon my God, happy, you can have this life. You do what you want with this life. You can—I want to serve you. I'm not serving you so that I'll earn something more. Because of what I received, I, I'm compelled to serve you and to give my life to you. And so, verse three. Next question. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect or mature by the flesh? And Paul says, look, are you so foolish having started off, having begun everything, having begun in the spirit? Are you going to now become mature? You're going to now somehow add to the work of the Lord and mature it with your flesh? No, you're not. And so we want to be careful about that. Um, and I, I, I do want to caution us against. Um, I think maybe the worst kind of pride is a spiritual pride, Um, especially as we get going. Maybe you're further along in your walk with the Lord. And as you get further along in your walk with the Lord, your life, the sanctification process, you're further down the road. Maybe you've learned you're more faithful in prayer. You're more faithful in reading. You're more faithful and obedient in your lifestyle as you should be in response to the gospel. You're, you're progressing. You're moving on. We have to be so careful that as we as we're part of the body. And the body is, you know, God's always adding new people and brand new babies. And I just got saved and I'm just two weeks in. And as God brings those people around, we got to be careful that we don't um, we don't hold ourselves up as some kind of standard. You know, if, if you really want, you know, this, this is what I do. You know, sometimes the Lord will do for me is I'm, I'm ministering to people. I'm talking to people. Um, I will, for my own benefit, try to go back to Man, I went out my first year as a Christian and and then I get a little humbler. You know why? Because I look back at my first year as a Christian. I was definitely saved, but I did some things that I'm not proud of. I was definitely born again. But as I look back, I was I was I was much weaker than I am, than I am today. Um, I was definitely saved, but I didn't know things that I know now. And so when I come across someone that's where I was, I got to be careful about that. Um, Careful about how we talk to them. And, and, you know, it's like, okay, God, God, like, did I do it in your life overnight? No, it was a process. I got there, but it was a process. And so maybe God's in the process with this sister or this brother. Um, Again, you get into some spiritually prideful environment and, you know, you got people walking around with their nose in the air like it's them. You know that that might almost be the, the sign off that this is not really a work of the spirit. Um, some of the men that I most revere and look up to for their walk with the Lord and relationship with the Lord are guys. They're just humble men. They're great men, but they're, they're humble men. Um, you know, they're not telling me how great they are. Recognize their greatness just in, sometimes the greatness is in the humility, you know, um, if if that ministers to me. And so, you know, Paul says to them, he says, "Are, are you so foolish You know, you began in the spirit. Everything that God began in your life was a work of the spirit. Are you going to now perfect that? Are you going to mature yourself in the flesh? And again, these are rhetorical questions. Of course not. That's not how it's going to go. Verse four. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. And so it's also Paul is recognizing in this region here, Paul himself had suffered persecution. And we're not told specifically what they went through. But the idea is these people probably have gone through some sort of persecution And Paul is saying, did you guys suffer that in vain? You letting that go now? When you had received it by faith and when you did believe it right, did you suffer those things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And Paul's trying to take them back. Like, "You you guys were in a better place. How'd you get here? And again, this is something that across the board I see when it comes to false teaching, particularly Christian false teachings. You're hearing something from someone where God began some work in a legitimate way, but now someone that you're listening, you're like, where did you get that from? That teaching is foreign no one would arrive at that conclusion with just the Bible and the Holy Spirit who told you that what you're saying right there where did that come from
0: in his letter to the Galatians Paul fought against the Judaizers who were trying to make the Galatians follow the Old Testament law after they had been saved Paul presents an eloquent and passionate argument about the purpose of the law and the finality of being saved through God's grace. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul reminds the reader over and over that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he had provided for our salvation once and for all. There is nothing else we need to do to be saved. There is nothing else we can do to add to our salvation. It's all been done for us by Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Galatians, and together we're learning so much about God's incomprehensible grace God's grace is so amazing that it's a message we have to share with the world and you can join us. We have two ways for you to give. There's online giving on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org, or once you're on the website, you can download the mobile app and give from there. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, check out all the great resources we put together for you, including our daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're coming to the end of our time for you today, but don't worry, we'll be back again. Be sure to join us next time for another great message right here on A Transforming Word.